Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and today's track session that we're featuring features Real Life Ministries. Real Life was a church that started out west, all with the goal of life on life discipleship, and it exploded in an incredible way. So you got Dave and Janelle Campbell explaining the story behind that to us today and giving us a look at the Great Commission and tackling the question of why will we focus our intentional efforts on biblical discipleship as opposed to more traditional missions models. All right, y'all, enjoy the episode. This is Dave and Janelle Campbell from Real Life Ministries. Here we go. Well, welcome. I think we're, we're going to go ahead and get started on time. We know there's probably a few more coming in, but uh, thank you guys for investing your time in this. My name is Dave. This is my wife, Janelle, who's hiding behind the pillar there. Ta-da! <laughs> well, I'll just tell you a little bit about us to start with and Real Life Ministries. So, uh, how many of you have been to a Discipleship Forum conference before? Okay, a few. And how many of you are familiar with Real Life Ministries, Jim Putman, books, those kind of things? Most of you, okay. How many have no idea about that? You just picked a room that looked good. You can, okay, good. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, so Janelle and I work in the international side of real life ministries out of Post Falls, Idaho. Uh, she'll tell you a little bit about the background of our family, uh, and uh, but church-wise. Uh, we both came to the Lord a little later in life, uh, maybe than, than some folks, uh, kind of in our in, in my late 30s or early 30s, coming to the Lord. And my background had been for a time in the Mormon church and left that in my late 20s, kind of wandered around in the world uh, by the grace and mercy of God, found my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, uh, became a believer. And then he led us to begin... Uh, ministering and that in youth work and then that led to youth and missions and that led to some time down in Mexico where we ministered for about 12 years uh, as a family and bringing churches down to work with pastors and churches in Mexico. The last three years of that we were members of Real Life Ministries and on their missions team and then for the last almost 12 years now we've been on staff as the, what most churches would call a missions pastor, or inter, we call it the international discipleship pastor. And we'll tell you a little bit more about that journey as we go. But Real Life Ministry started, I think, 23, 24 years ago. Jim Putman was the founding pastor. He's getting old, but he's still there today, and he's doing well. Uh, and the focus that has always been at Real Life has been, let's be disciples of Jesus who make more disciples of Jesus. Um, and we'll kind of pick that story up, but I'll let Janelle share a little bit about our, our family and background, whatever she wants. To, you never know what she's going to say, but it's usually good. <laughs> well, I won't say a whole lot, but uh, yeah, Dave and I have been married for 32 years, and he still owes me a 30th anniversary because of COVID, so I always like to say that in front of people so other people can. February. We're going to celebrate February. Yeah. Uh, we do have 11 children. So I love children, I love discipleship, I love missions. Um, we have 30 grandchildren. So for years, I mean, I was just, you know, stay-at-home mom, and people would ask, what do you do? And so I was like, full-time mom, full-time mom. In the last couple years, I've still been saying it. Dave said, 
you don't have any more kids in the house. So, so I'm having, I'm getting to go more with him because we are empty nesters now, but we can go and we can see grandkids sometimes too. So it's all, it's all good. And thanks for being here. All right. Thanks, babe. And she will be our scribe writing on the board because my writing is more like the level of the people that are usually in this classroom, I think. So we'll let her do the, the official writing. So I want to take you uh, just real briefly through a little bit of the history of missions at Real Life because it's a little bit interesting. So Real Life Ministries, Jim was, uh, most of you know if you've read his books, he was a, a high school wrestler, All-American, college wrestler, and then and had his rebellious time. Uh, but then as he became a true believer uh, and began to, uh, to, as an adult, work in ministry, he was a youth pastor and a wrestling coach in Oregon and was doing those things simultaneously. And then there came a time where, where a couple of families in Idaho in a small city called Post Falls were praying for a church planter to come and plant a church. And they actually originally contacted Jim's dad, Bill Putman, who had planted many churches, and Bill said, hey, I'm in the middle of planting here, but I think my son's ready. He could come. The Lord brought that together, and when Jim uh, and, and Aaron Couch came with him, when they and their two families planted the church in Post Falls Real Life Ministry, a lot of what Jim brought was, it was from the Word, but it was also influenced by his coaching background, and so he was a wrestler, and he would say, as a wrestling coach, I wouldn't call you all together and every, every Sunday for 40 minutes tell you about wrestling, and then the next Sunday you come back and I tell you some more about wrestling, and I wouldn't expect that after a year of doing that, you would be great wrestlers. He said at the most, you would be educated fans and probably capable of criticizing wrestlers, but not really wrestling yourselves or critiquing them. Uh, so he said, in order to teach wrestlers... There's some instruction, but then we get we, we get them paired up, or I'll show them how to do a move, and then I'll have them try to do the move on me. I'll get them practicing it. Then I'll put two of them together. I'll let them practice with each other. I'll coach them. So his concept of discipleship was it has to be more than the transfer of information. It has to be actual, experiential, life-on-life, get-in-and-do-it, active discipleship. And that was the foundation of the church. Let's, let's not invent new stuff. Let's actually look at how Jesus did discipleship, and let's try to get as close to that as we can. So real life was planted. It grew rapidly. Uh, it grew exponentially. You know, we started in a movie theater, moved to a high school, built a building. First week in the building, we discovered we'd already outgrown it. Back to the high school, built more building. And, and God just kept giving growth. And a large part of that was because it wasn't just Jim and the, and the staff at that time that were being and making disciples of Jesus. They were equipping the body so that the, the normal member of real life would understand how to grow as a disciple of Jesus and how to disciple others. So the body was doing the work and the body kept growing. And so locally, real life grew and grew. Uh, to, you know, from, from two families to 100 to 500 to 1,000 to several thousand. And then, then with that growth, uh, at a certain point in time, it was like, well, let's plant churches nearby. Church, we have communities that are, 
that are too far away for the people to drive to church here, but close enough that we could plant them in a neighboring community. So Real Life began to plant churches in the region, uh, and then campuses, too, that were close enough to our main campus where we could say, okay, let's keep that under our eldership, but we'll have some campuses. We'll plant churches further away in, in Idaho, in Washington, and eventually we've had church plants in places like, like Texas and, and other states, and so that planting has continued. And so I would say that's just to, to get that picture to you of there was a discipleship focus locally, regionally, and nationally. And nationally, as this thing grew that God was doing in Post Falls, Idaho, uh, the church birthed a team to help other pastors around the U.S. And this team, which was originally called the Church Training and Development Team, eventually became a separate organization now known as the Relational Discipleship Network. And the the focus of that is to help churches be disciple-making churches and reproduce. So, again, we say here, discipleship focused, that was happening in local, regional, and national context. But interestingly enough, in international, for real life, it was almost like it grew so fast that after a few years, somebody said, hey, shouldn't we be doing some mission stuff too? And I think that's in the Bible. And so somebody else said, yeah, we should. I've got a cousin in in Ecuador, and somebody said, I know somebody in Germany, and I know somebody over here. They're doing good stuff. So the church began to support them financially. And that was, I mean, that's a simplified version, but uh, that was kind of how our missions started. And after, after a few years, after several years, uh, it kind of just took a life of its own. It started, kept growing that way. But as we looked at it, it was not the same focus. So we had a discipleship focus locally, regionally, nationally, but internationally, it was basically how can we help people do good things? And let's send them some funds to do that. So Brandon Ginden, who, how many of you know who Brandon is? He helped author some of the books. He's now a senior pastor of RLM Texas in Tomball, Texas. Uh, Brandon had a passion always for discipleship, but he connected with people in Ethiopia and began for the first time to have RLM, Real Life Ministries, doing some discipleship-focused missions in a foreign country. And so he started working with pastors and people in, in, uh, in Ethiopia. About that same time, Janelle and I were invited to a discipleship training in real life. We attended that. that it totally impacted our hearts, changed our lives. We, we became members of real life. We kept doing our mission work in Mexico. And when we saw the discipleship focus... We had been doing Mexico ministry for nine years or so, working with about 25 different churches in Mexico. We, we said to ourselves, okay, this is what's been missing. This is what we need. We're helping the pastors with, you know, with clean water, with building building, with VBSs, with, with other projects. But, and, and that's all good stuff, but we need to have that discipleship focus too. And this is what the pastors are really crying out for without even knowing it. So let's... Let's start doing that in Mexico as well as what we've been doing. And for about a year, uh, I went every month to be trained up in Post Falls, then we'd go back down to Mexico and share that. And after a year of doing this and being firmly convinced that this was the biblical model 
the right focus, there was actually very little fruit in Mexico from that. And in Ethiopia, maybe kind of a similar thing with Brandon, in that they were training a bunch of pastors in Ethiopia, but not seeing a lot of churches become disciple-making churches. So for me, the answer, for us, the answer came when I, when God helped me understand that all I was actually doing was training and, and God really put it on my heart. Hey, you got to live this out. It's got to be a life on life thing. It's got to, can't just be a transfer of knowledge, or as we would say in Mexico, de los dientes para afuera. Can't just be from the teeth out. It's got to be a life thing, life on life. So that changed everything. It's like, okay, slow down. I've got to live this out. You know, if I have a relationship with a pastor, I can't just tell him about this stuff. I've got to live it with him and then help him live it with others in his church. And so we began to do that. A lot of fruit came out of that. And then a couple of years later, uh, that's when they asked us to come up on staff in real life and, and say, hey, can you help us do internationally the same thing we've been doing locally, regionally, and, and nationally? And so that's been our focus. So uh, with that as background, we're kind of look at this today, international or discipleship focused international missions. We have four, four workshops. The first one is going to be the why. That's what we're doing right now. Then we're going to go into the what tomorrow morning, then the how and the who. And we'll talk a little bit more about this. But first thing we're going to look at is, okay, why would we want discipleship-focused international missions as opposed to something else focused? And then we're going to say, okay, if that is what we want, what does that look like? And if that's what we want and that's what it looks like, how do we do that? And then the last part we'll look at tomorrow in the last session is, if we are committed now to doing it this way, who's going to do that? Who, who are we going to work with over there? And who's going to be on our team here? And how do we decide that? How do we equip them? So those are kind of the four tracks that we'll be going into. And to start with, uh, just ask Janelle to put up here, we're going to look at the famous mission scripture, which is? Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Where is that? Matthew, Matthew 28. 18 through 20 will do. And so if one of you would be willing to, one of you has a nice loud pastor voice, just stand up and read that from almost any translation you want. I'll do it from memory. I don't have my... Man, you get a prize if you can do it from memory. Uh, uh, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I, and I will be with you until the end of the age. Good job. All right. Thank you. All right. What prize do we have today? If you come to our booth... We have uh, a Snickers bar for you there. So, all right. So we're going to look at just, you know, very familiar scripture. And I think most of us would say that's one of the foundational scriptures for missions, right? That's our, that's our commission, the great commission to go do it. And so looking at, looking at just a few words out of that, if we put up here, maybe let's put, uh, we'll put go and we'll put all nations and then we'll put disciple, and we'll put teach. So, you know, we could, we could preach the, the three-week sermon on this, right, or at least the five-part sermon, but we'll just look, look at it kind of a, a spot check on that scripture with this in mind. 
as Jesus was saying that to the eleven, how would they have understood that? How would they have heard that? So some of the words that they heard in that were go, and, and a lot of commentaries and translations today would say that could be translated as you go, as you go. So that helps me understand that means that as I'm going, whether that's to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or all the world, as I'm going, I'm to make disciples. So if I was hearing that as one of the 11, I'm thinking, okay, so Jesus just spent three years-ish with me, discipling me. Now he's telling me that as I go, I'm to, I'm to do the same thing with others. So that's one part of it. The all nations, that's telling me, Jesus is saying, don't just stay here and keep it, keep it in our little area, but this needs to go to all the world. And so this is where the, this concept of missions I think comes into the church. We know we're supposed to spread this to everybody. We know it says that that the gospel needs to be heard by everybody, and then the Lord's going to return. So not just from this passage, but from multiple passages, we're to be his witnesses, Acts 1.8. We're to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the world. So we know we have that instruction. As I go, I'm to make disciples. This needs to go to the whole world. Now here's, here's one we'll look at a little bit more in depth, but just just for this start. When he said, and make disciples, how would they have heard that? What would they have pictured when he said that to them? Okay, go, go everywhere, make disciples. The way Jesus did it with them. Right, that, that would have been what they understood, right? We just spent three years, we know what he did with us, so as we go to everywhere, that's what he wants us to do. So we'll, we'll touch a little more on that later. And then teach, how would that have been different from maybe the way they heard it compared to the way most of the church would describe teaching in the church today? In the context of relationship. What's that? In the context of relationship. In the context of relationship. That's good. Yeah, Jesus taught in the context of relationship, especially with those 11, right? What, what else? What, what else might be a different picture that would be more tip, typical today that wouldn't have been the picture they got? Okay, good. Content of the teaching is different. I mean, it's teaching them to obey. It's teaching them to carry out these actions. It's not information only. Okay. Wow. Good. So that we could have we could have put more words up there, right? Teaching them to obey everything that. So the context of the teaching that they got from Jesus was application, life changing, experiential. Good. Uh, Jim will say. Jim Putman, our senior pastor, will say. He puts it this way. Why does every pastor want what every teacher knows is not good? Why does every pastor think, let's get a huge congregation and preach to them, and that's success, when a teacher would think, let's get a small group and get to know them, and, and the less people we have, the more impactful our teaching is. So when they heard teaching, it's maybe, I think their picture of it would have been different. I mean, how did Jesus teach? In relationship, with stories, experience, come, come with me, let's do this together. So when they're here and teach, it's maybe going to be different than the standard way that we use it in the church today. Not, not that there's anything wrong with preaching. Jesus preached to the multitudes, right? But that wasn't the only way he taught by any means. 
So if we're, if we're looking at this, this, these are our marching orders. We're to have discipleship-focused missions everywhere. Then we're going to do something here. I'll ask Janelle to write down some words. And this is kind of the delicate part of what I'm going to share with you today. Uh, at Real Life Ministries, we would say, again, we didn't invent anything. We're, we're not innovating. We're trying to imitate Jesus' model. And so we have some ways we do things. In no way do we want to come across like we're the experts because we're not. Jesus is the expert. We don't want to come across like, hey, what we're doing is good and what they're doing is bad because we don't believe that. But we do believe that we need to be discipleship-focused in missions. That's what Jesus said. And so I'm going to ask you to tell me some things that people do in missions, just like traditional missions. And as we make this list, it might appear like we're saying those aren't good things. That's not what we're saying. We'll get around to it later. Like, no, these are good things. Let's just figure out how to do it in Jesus' way. So... Uh, if you can write up here, like, what are some of the things, as you think, missions around the world that Christians do, what are some of the things they do in the name of missions? Share the gospel. Share the gospel? Good. Certainly a good thing. What else? Hey, I'm on a mission trip. What did I do? Drill wells. Drill wells, yeah. Love of Jesus, help them get clean water. We can share the gospel as we're doing that. Good. Drill wells. What else? Medical. Medical care. Good. Start churches. Yeah, plant churches. Good. Couple more. Translate scripture. Feed people. Translate scripture. Isn't her writing beautiful? <laughs> I should write a few words just so they could laugh at me. But okay, feed people. And we. What else do we have? Translate, uh, translate scriptures. Yeah, that's good. Training okay. pastors. Training pastors. Yeah. Then. Yep. And I, I would say that might be more the mindset of this group than the typical, if we looked at the spectrum of missions. But yeah, that happens. Pastoral training. And even if we look at that, what does pastoral training look like? Does it look like the way Jesus taught stuff, or is it more transfer of information? It could be it could be. Either. All right. So let's just review those a little bit, and then you can go on the other side here. Um, so... Now, most of the people I talk to as an international missions pastor, most of the people that are involved in missions around the world will, all, will use this word disciple. So I will say, you know, we have discipleship-focused missions. Oh, so do we. We're sharing the gospel. So do we. We're drilling wells, helping clean water, and showing the love of Jesus. We have discipleship missions. We're doing medical care. Jesus healed people. We're helping people get healthy. They see Jesus' love. Planting churches, that's discipleship. Feeding people because we got to meet their physical needs before their spiritual needs. Jesus fed the multitude. So that's discipleship. Translating scripture, certainly. Training pastors. So we could say that's all discipleship. Would we be right? It can be. Could be. Right. Could be. It's a process to an end. Okay. It's a process to an end. Good. So now we're going to do something a little bit, and then we'll kind of connect these two things. So uh, Janelle's going to write up here three scriptures. And let's see, we got one, two, three. Yeah. So the lucky three rows that were brave enough to sit up front, we're going to give you a scripture. 
this row, if you, your scripture would be Matthew 4.19. Some of you will know these already. I don't know. You might ask them if they can see that color in the back. And then we got to write words by those. So can you guys see that in the back? Okay. All right. And then this second row here, Luke 6.40. Luke 6.40. And then you, you get a row of order yourself. So at uh, Galatians 2.20. And then you guys, you lucky guys, you get to pick any scripture you want. So what we're going to look for for just a few minutes, a couple minutes, is can you find a, a verse that where, where God is actually telling us in his word what he thinks disciple means? How is he defining disciple? How is he describing what it is to be a disciple? A scripture that would, if we want to say, well, okay, I'm supposed to be a disciple, so... So what does God's word say that looks like? Does that make sense? All right. So these, these three rows are going to look at these three scriptures and try to, try to come up with just a word or two out of those scriptures where, oh, God says a disciple does this or should be like that. Does that make sense? Okay. And then the rest of you, you get, to pick, you get to pick a scripture. We'll just take a few from you. But can you think of a scripture where if, if you had to say, well, what is a disciple, or how would God define it? How would God describe it? You would go to that scripture and say, okay, God says a disciple acts this way, or is this, thinks this way, does this. And we'll just put a few of these words down to describe it. So, first row, what do you think? Uh, what's Matthew 4 First of all, Matthew 4.19 says what? Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So what, what's God saying about being a disciple there? First thing that pops up to me is follow me. In other words, imitate, which Paul will talk about. First yeah. Corinthians 11, 1. Oh, see, he snuck another scripture in there. See how he did that? And then the result of that abiding, that imitating, is going to be that you will do exactly what I'm doing, which is I've come to find and seek out the lost. Wow. Good job. Good job. So maybe some keywords here. We're going to put follow, uh, transformed or changed. Imitate. Imitate. Oh, yeah. Good, good. And he threw in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, one of my favorites, so we can throw that down there too. That, that might have got somebody back there taking their scripture, but that's okay. Uh, follow, transform, imitate. And the way we phrase it in real life is be on mission. Then you, you, a disciple is somebody who ends up being on mission with Christ, following the same work. Uh, imitate. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, don't ask me. I T A T. You got it. All right, and then on mission. Okay, how about uh, Luke six forty second row? Who wants to read that one? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Love that scripture. So words of Jesus: A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So what's that telling us about a disciple? A student who does what? Does what Jesus did. Imitates or becomes like Jesus. Okay. So a student who becomes like the master or Jesus. 
In the 1970s, it was, I don't need a man. In the 90s, it was, I don't want a man. Today it is, what is a man? Better Man is a free resource for churches, men's groups, fathers, brothers, and husbands that helps men be the man God has called them to be. Built around the four W's, Better Man teaches that a real man courageously follows God's word. A real man loves and protects God's woman. A real man excels at God's work. And a real man betters God's world. Check us out and get everything you need to start your journey towards better at betterman.com. Which one of you wants to? Oh, wait, there's only one of you. Okay. Right. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Yeah. So to put that in a couple of key words, what would you say that's that's telling us to be or do as disciples? Christ in me. Uh, is he on, it's not me, it's telling your okay. story, not my story. Yeah. My story is his story. Wow. Okay. Christ in me, reflect Christ, live for Christ, Christ in me. That's good. Yeah. Very good. Okay. For the last couple of rows there, did somebody come up with one they want to share? I think Philippians 4, uh, 9, it's just all right. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So that you imitate what you saw me do. Yeah. Okay. That's really good. So Philippians 4 9, imitate, imitate me. And that, and that we see the weight of a disciple who becomes a disciple maker is, you know, we're, we're saying here, imitate Jesus as disciple makers. Now, like Paul said, I'll imitate Jesus. Now you imitate me. That's, that's, Big responsibility. Any other scriptures? Uh, Luke 9.23. Luke 9.23? Yeah. He said, if anyone come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke 9.23. So to put that into short words, maybe deny self, follow him. Okay. All right. One or two more. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Yeah. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Trust others to be faithful. Yeah. So Paul telling Timothy, things you've heard from me, entrust those to faithful men who will also teach others, who will teach others also. So what will we say there? Uh, multiplication. Multiplication. Thank you. Excellent. Okay. Anything else? That's a good list. Washington 128. We proclaim him, learning and teaching everyone with all wisdom and so that everyone mature in Christ. All right. So Colossians 1.28. What do you want to use for a word or two out of that? The goal is maturity in Christ. Yeah. Maturity in Christ. And the key there is proclaiming Jesus. Okay. And working with them till they're complete or perfect in that. So mature in Christ. And what uh, we're getting a little off, but I love this. So and what would mature in Christ look like? Making other disciples. Okay, making other disciples. Through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. Also, be an ambassador for Christ. Ambassador. If I'm mature in Christ, what do I look like? Christ. Christ. Okay. So a disciple is somebody who's on a journey becoming like Jesus and reaching back and helping others on that same journey. Thank you, babe. All right. We'll leave this up here if anybody wants to shoot a picture afterwards. But so are, are these two lists... The same? 
No. So this kind of is God's definition or description of a disciple. He told us to go and make these kind of people. So here's a typical, here's a typical comment from a, an international pastor. I'm trying the best I can. I've been a pastor for 10 years. I know I'm supposed to make disciples. I don't know exactly how to do that, and I don't think it's working as well as it should. Help me. I don't know in your experience, but we hear that a lot. Good heart, good commitment. I'm trying. We're trying all these things, but it's not always producing these things. So, again, not say, hey, scrap all this is bad. No, no. What we're saying is, let's understand what God's commissioned us to do. And let's go help churches. I'll put it this way. This is what, after wrestling with all this, this is where we landed at real life. And again, not saying that's where everybody needs to land. Not saying this is the only way. I just want to share with you what's worked for us. And maybe there's a part of it that, that clicks with you. And you can say, oh, okay, that'll help us get to where we want to get to. So in real life, we landed with this. God... Jesus, Jesus founded the church. It's his church. It's his body. The local church is Jesus' design to reach the world. And, you know, if we had time, we'd go into Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, 7, 11 through 16. Jesus has a process where leaders equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The saints help each other mature to become more like Jesus they're on a solid foundation then. The body's helping each other grow up. This is, this is God's plan. So I don't, don't know how to do that in every culture, but God has led us in many countries now to be able to come alongside a local pastor, national pastor from that country, and to enter into a relationship that looks more like the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples. And to say, let's travel this journey together as disciples. So let's just say that, that uh, Kent and Jeannie are discipling Janelle and I, and we're, pa- we're natives from Mexico, and we're pastors down there, but they've come alongside us, and they're from the States, but they're discipling us and, and showing us what that looks like. And we believe you can't skip the B and go straight to the make. Does that make sense? The B is critical because I'm going to reproduce who I am. I can teach what I know, but I reproduce who I am. So the first thing that that Kent and Jeannie are doing with us is helping us grow to be like this. That's the first step. So they come along and build real relationship with us. They don't have to live in Mexico with us. But they come and visit. Maybe they invite us up and we visit them. We communicate regularly. We develop a relationship that's open, vulnerable, transparent. And and we begin to understand what it really means to be a disciple. And then they help us understand how to share that with our innermost circle down in Mexico in our church. And then how, how over time to help that circle share it with the next circle out until it becomes the culture of our church. So this process is happening in in real relationship. 
and we're seeing this type of fruit, the goal then eventually is that we will be strong enough, whether we're a pastor in Africa or Israel or Mexico or Cambodia or wherever, we'll be strong enough that we can have a disciple-making culture, a true biblical disciple-making culture in our church. And then our church will be strong enough to do these kind of things and impact the community. And maybe the American missionaries have a role in helping us do some of this stuff, but actually by strengthening the local church, the local church itself can do many of these things and probably do them better than I could do them because they understand the language, the culture, the history, the tradition of their people. So are these kind of things needed in the communities that those churches are in? You bet they are. And there could be a role where where, where a, a church from the U.S. helps this happen. But we say in, in many cases it's either skipping over this or forgetting it or putting the, the cart before the horse in some ways. So we want all this to happen, but we believe that to have a discipleship focused international missions is is done this way and that that's got that's got to be the reason that's the product that God told me to produce so if I'm doing stuff that doesn't produce this then it then I think I'm, I'm missing the mark somewhat um, so part of this is just how do we define the words when I you know because what what mission group in the world is going to say oh yeah we don't do discipleship at all no you know, they're not going to say that. And they're, they're going to be sincere, but they're going to say, well, we do discipleship because we do this or we do that. Okay. We see how that fits in as part of it. But is that real, real discipleship? So part of it is defining, defining by God's definition what it means to be and to make disciples. So before we do the, any next part, thoughts, questions, if you have complaints or criticisms, Janelle's here to... <laughs> To deal with those. I'll share. Yeah. Uh, as a missionary in Bernie Columbia, um, it's hard to raise money making disciples. It's easier uh, raising money drilling wells. Man, is that true or not? That is true. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I can get behind, you know, feeding people, taking care of them, giving them clean water. We'll get volunteers to give money to that. Yeah. I'll give you another one. Yeah. When we stopped feeding people, um, we were able to make disciples. So the, all that other that feeding and all that medical care, all that stuff got in the, hindered us from actually making disciples. Okay. So give me another yeah. perspective. Okay, appreciate that. And I would say both those perspectives are valid, right? It is, you know, it's, e- it's an easier sell to, to get people to financially get behind that. So at, at our church, we, ha- we have to educate and explain and celebrate our process to show them how we get to this kind of stuff by doing this or the results and fruit of this. So it it is a matter of um, educating and also celebrating so that the people understand, okay, no, this is actually a victory and a step and it will lead to multiplication. It will lead to health of the church. It will impact the community. also, if our church, if our home church is not doing this, it's a harder sell that we want to do it internationally. So for real life, it was pretty easy because our church was already doing it in all the other arenas. 
and it made sense to put it into practice internationally. Other, other thoughts, questions, comments? Well, from the American perspective, it takes time. We're so mm. busy, 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 yeah. busy, yep. and there's not a time left in the day to find time to talk yeah. because it's not a priority. So it, it requires sacrifice, so that's the part that a lot of times we don't really need to sacrifice. We think we sacrifice just get up and taking our kids and family to church on Sunday morning, right. but that's not even it. That's wow. not close to it. No, that's really good, and, and, and so true. So uh, in, in two ways, I would say. One, tangible, visible results are going to be much faster doing this than they are doing this. And then also just it takes time. So the churches that we're doing this with, we journey with them for five years, seven years, eight years, 12 years. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And so, again, in order to get uh, commitment, what do you call it, buy-in, in order to get buy-in from the church for that, they have to understand how God defines this, why we do it this way, what the steps are. So when, when we come back, if you come to the other sessions, we'll talk about, like, what are the, what does it look like? What are the steps? How do you do it? How do you share this with your leadership or your congregation or both? Uh, because right now we're really just looking at, okay, why would we do it this way when actually this way is going to be easier, right? And if, you, if you're looking at that, you, we can also just look at, you know, at how the American church tries to disciple. The main thing we do is we preach on a Sunday, and people are busy, so that sermon can only be 33.6 minutes long, or they're going to check out, knowing that that's not effective, but it's easier. It's easier. And so this is, you know, I would say discipleship is actually fairly simple. It's just not easy at all. Yep. Now, I'm, I'm a missionary in Japan. Most of this stuff on the left there is not actual in Japan. Mm-hmm. I share the gospel plant churches, train pastors. And it does, it looks much better for your <laughs> But what I found, because I've been, uh, I stopped playing with the church plant about 15 years ago, and I started selling churches on the disciple maker. And what I found out was one church walked in, the pastor after the service said, You're going to have to change your message because you're never going to be support. Mm-hmm. And they didn't support us. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it was right. But what I found is going to most of our sporting churches, they they say, yeah, we, because I'll ask them, what, what do you guys uh, are doing? Mm-hmm. And they say, well, we have a, a discipleship class. Mm-hmm. And that's the discipleship. So anyone that's interested in growing, we invite them to come to our discipleship class. Or the most they'll have is a small group. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I found out of 34 sporting churches, maybe four of them actually make disciples intentionally, and the rest of them don't, and they don't understand when we right. tell them this is what we're doing. Yep. Um, so for pastors, I would just would beg that you actually make disciples in mm. your church, but yeah. understand what that is, and then what we do makes much more sense. Very because good. I, we're not pursuing a building, we're not pursuing any of those things. We need uh, Japanese people to accept Christ and to follow him mm. and commit to carrying that to their families and to their communities, and that's all that we're doing. And it is so hard to write a prayer letter to people who do not understand that. Mm-hmm. When we're trying to say, here, we spent the last month basically working with Yusuke and spend as much time as we can with him. You know, you're just, you play music and you go to the park and you go for a jog. You're not doing anything. Yeah. 
Really? Spend time, sit around, tell stories. Yeah. Wait, well, that sounds familiar. Seven years from the time he hears the gospel to the time he gets saved. Seven years of really slow. So a lot of this has to do with language and understanding, uh, education, going back to the word and seeing what God says. And, and not every church is going to buy into that. And not every organization is going to buy into that. We're going to do uh, just for like three minutes, and this could be difficult, but I think you guys can can do it. Just going to do a little activity to illustrate a point. So if there's somebody who physically can't do it, uh, that's okay. But what I'm going to ask you to do if you can is stand up. And then uh, I'm just going to give you a couple of simple words. Walk and stop. Walk and stop. Okay. Uh, so if I say walk, you can walk. You walk anywhere in the room. I know it's hard with the chairs. And I say stop, you stop. Ready? Walk. Stop. Walk. Stop. Well, you guys are really good at this. Yeah. It's good. Okay, now we're just going to change those around. I say walk means stop. And if I say stop, it means walk. All right? Walk. Oh, you guys are good. Stop. Good. Stop. Oh, not so easy. Not so easy, was it? Okay. Very good. Walk. Ah, stop. And stop. Oh, okay, walk. All right. We're just going to do one more pair of words here. Uh, if I say name, you just shout out your first name. And if I say clap, you just clap. Now, walk still means stop, and stop means walk, but name means name, and clap means clap. Ready? Clap. Good. Walk. Oh, okay. Name. Clap. Stop. Clap. Walk. Okay. All right. Last one. We're just going to change around name and clap. So walk is stop, stop is walk, name is clap, and clap is name. Ready? Okay. Claim. Claim. No. Name. Name. Good. Walk. Stop. Clap. <laughs> you oh, almost got you. Almost. Okay. Stop. Oh, you're still stopping. Okay. Name. Good. Stop. Oh no, that's walk. Okay. All right. Clap. Okay. All right. Very good. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> so we usually do. Three or four more sets of words, but we don't want to, we wanted to take it easy on you. But just to illustrate, you know, words are important, and what they mean is important. And actually, if we just stuck with walk and stop, uh, you guys can handle that very easily. And we kept doing that and kept doing that and kept doing it. And then you you started raising up children that knew that, they would think walk and stop and stop is walk. So part of what's happened in here is we have lost some of the true definition and picture that we find in the word. So when, when we say discipleship-focused missions, there's a lot of different meanings that are given to this that probably didn't come from here. So for me to understand that and understand that when, when God says make disciples, this is what he's talking about, and that's my commission— that's important. And then for us to share and educate other people, whether that's, how many of you in here are senior pastors? 
Okay. Semi-senior pastor? <laughs> We're very small. Okay. All right. How many of you are missionaries? Okay. How many of you are missions leaders? So we all have a job, right? Uh, and my job is pretty, pretty easy because I'm an international discipleship leader in a church that believes in discipleship and tries to follow this model. Your jobs are probably not so easy, but you can lead up and you certainly can on a personal level be and make disciples of Jesus, right? And here's the thing we've found is that uh, when this model is put into place and fruit begins to come of it, people get pretty excited. They might not understand it until then, but again, what we celebrate and what we do will have an impact. And if you can, well, we'll give you some tools that you can use with people. We'll show you some, you know, what does it look like? How do you, how do you share that? Um, you know, if, you, if you're interested in that, those are the next three sessions. We'll lay out a plan on how to do it, and we'll be glad to answer questions. Uh, any other questions today as we mainly focus in on the why? Give, give me some feedback. Like what, what are you thinking? What's impacting you? What are you going like, yeah, I don't know. I want to know how you get churches to, well, I'm assuming, to go make disciples. Yeah. Yeah, how do you do that? How do you get, because when you go to a foreign country, uh, you know, how do you get those yeah. people to do that? So this has been an interesting thing. Once we committed to this, and to doing that in other countries, God has, has just, I mean, we have we have so many people asking for it that we don't have the bandwidth yet. That's why we want you guys to get on board so we can give you some of our people to work with. But uh, God will, I believe, there's a ton of pastors in almost every country in the world that know they're not doing this, but they want to, but they don't know how. That's what we run across. So that's how we get churches in other countries to do this, is to begin to have a relationship with them, show them God's definition, tell them we'll walk with them. But they they know that, you know, it's not quite right what we're doing. It's not, it's not giving us the fruit that we know we should have. Somebody else had a... Yeah. So where we are in Nigeria, for a lot of places, but where we are in Nigeria, I can't imagine a discipleship that sticks and works unless we are meeting need. So I swinging the pendulum is probably not helpful either because if um, discipleship without loving your neighbor, it doesn't. Yeah. It it doesn't. When we go away. Mm-hmm. So does the discipleship, if we haven't met need at the same time. Yeah, so great. That's why I said yeah. we can do both. Yeah, and, and here's a, a thought. As you do both, so yeah, you don't necessarily need to stop doing any of this, but maybe maybe you focus some on this and some on that, but also as you're doing that, is there a way to work through the local church and equip them so that they can continue this on. So let's just you know pick one of these drill wells, medical feed people. Let's just say feed people. Um, so it's it would be probably easy or fairly easy to raise some funds in the United States to take to a country, you know, to take to Romania to feed 
the people that are coming across from, from the Ukraine. You know, people would be like, yes, we want to help those refugees. Okay. So can we raise some money, partner with a Romanian church that's hosting refugees, and as we're helping that church feed the refugees, we don't even need to be at the forefront, right? But as we're helping them do that, can we also help that Romanian pastor and church begin to create this type of disciple-making culture? And can we help them think? One of the things we use in our missions is, is this question. Is what we are doing, is what we propose to do going to lead to dependence or independence? So here's an illustration of that. In Uganda, which might be somewhat similar to Nigeria in some of the conditions. So in Uganda, we had a church we were working with, and they had um, over 100 widows because of, because of AIDS, because of war, because of uh, just the... the the mortality rate and age. So they had over 100 widows that were in the care of this church and over 500 orphans in their community that they wanted to care for. Their plan was to put the orphans with the widows and then help support the widows who would take care of the orphans. And then they're, they're helping the widows and the orphans. And so that could be done with donations from the U.S. Could be done. But that would lead to dependence, not independence. So along with the, the, the leaders in Uganda, the pastor in Uganda and his core team actually came up with this plan because we said, make a plan where we can help you, but it will lead to independence on your part. So they, their plan was to purchase a large piece of land. On half of that land, they would grow mahogany trees, which are harvested once every eight years. And they will plant every year. So after the first eight years, each year they will have a harvest of mahogany trees on that half. The other half they open for farming and gardening by the 100 widows and volunteers from their church. And that plot of land produced enough food to feed the widows and the orphans. And the mahogany pays for church buildings that are built, clean water, some other things like that. So we had to help them with an original investment, but now they're independent on that and they're providing for themselves. So that was what we did on the meet needs side, but it wasn't, so we don't need an offering every year from the U.S. church to do that anymore. And then on this side, we worked with their leaders and now they've planted from that one church, 32 other disciple-making churches in Uganda. All right. Maybe one more if you have a, a question or a thought. I'll just give you perspective of, of Canada, where it used to be considered a Christian nation, we view it as post-Christian, and mainline churches forgot about what the gospel was all about and got more into the you know egalitarian social thing. And so basically the mainline churches are in free fall, like they're mm -hmm. closing consolidating four to one. And so basically what's why we're so passionate about you know, even working with existing churches to say, hey, your DNA needs to be back to the disciple-making of the DNA. So there's a lot of work just with existing churches to get somebody asked that question, how do I do it? And everybody gets it. And so there's a bit of a, a sense of desperation a bit to say, hey, you need to, as leaders of your churches, like, stop looking for a silver bullet and go back to the basic foundations of this is what Jesus told us yeah. to do. 
Uh, and mm -hmm. by the way, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me, therefore go and do it. It's not like, hey, I think this is a good idea. You might want to think about it. Right. Okay, I got all the power right. in the universe. I'm telling you to go yeah. do this. And our churches just forgot about that. Is that right. So. No, that's yeah. good. Yeah, very similar to America, right? And so, yeah, there's power behind that command, yeah. right? There's, we don't have work, and lo, I'll be with you. Even you know, It starts out with the power, and I'll be with you as you do this, and I'll go do it. Uh, and again, I would, I would say in America, it's a very similar situation. We work in Australia, New Zealand, where mainline denomination yeah, churches are shutting down all the time. Uh, not every pastor is going to respond to this, not every organization, not every church, but there are many pastors out there who, who of good heart, know that it's not, what's happening is not the way it should be. I don't know what to do. I'm doing what I was trained to do. It's not working. There, there are many that are hungry for Jesus model. People are much more um, apt to receive something through a relational context mm -hmm. and an educational one. We've Amen. unfortunately reshaped something that was natural for them. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's great. All right. Uh, let me pray for us. And then if, if you have questions you want to talk afterwards, that'd be great. Again, uh, next one we'll do tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. I don't know who thought of that. Uh, is, is what does this look like? Like if we're talking about international. Uh, or discipleship focused international missions. What does this actually look like? Like, what's the structure? We it, a program is a four letter word. We don't use program because we know program's not going to work. So, what is the process for discipleship, and what does that look like for international for discipleship focused international missions? So, Fernando, would you mind praying for us? Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time to to refocus and and. Uh, Look at the, your word and your definition to what discipleship truly is. And if we apply it uh, here locally, this is something that we can do also internationally because that is what you had commanded us to do, is to go and make disciples of all nations. Thank you, Lord, for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Up next, we've got another episode from Dave and Janelle, so please click subscribe to know when we release that one. And always, make sure you check out betterman.com. They are sponsoring this episode, and I hope that you have a fantastic day, and I hope to catch you on the next episode. See you all later.